Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we come to you, and we pray for your leading for you to tell us where we are to go, how we are to respond, and how we are to fully lean into the grace that you so willingly and freely give to us. As we prepare to hear your word proclaimed this morning, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasant, Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, it actually happened this last staff meeting. We we started to gather as we have over the past uh, by way of Zoom. And everybody's at their own homes. You know, I had April, Lindsay, Richard... Uh, Lori, Bryson, and Wanda, and Jonelle, and myself, all at our different locations. And, and we're, we're, we're sitting there uh, getting warmed up, waiting for everybody to come and, and, and get uh, on, online. And then Lori was uh, at, her, at her office uh, having this, this meeting, and she stood up and I believe April made some kind of noise because she recognized that Lori's boss's chair was, was an Aggie chair. And so that started its own little rabbit trail as we started our worship service. Some boos by Richard and by Jonelle, and then you know, the defense of the Aggies by, by, by April. And then Lindsay pops up, and she says, whoa, 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 y'all are wrong. The Red Raiders are the best because she graduated from, from, from Texas Tech. So we had this little triangle thing of, of what school is better, tech, UT, or A&M, and I just had to shake my head and go, everybody, y'all know what school's the best school, Kansas State University. That is the best school out of all of them. Now I bring that up because it helps get a picture of how we all just love to boast. We love to boast about, about certain things. We, we love to boast about our, our colleges. When, when I was uh, up in, in the Wichita area, uh, before I moved down here to Texas, we would, we would boast about our high schools and how our high school was the better high school of, of all those that were in the area. We, we boast about sports teams, and how which sports team is by far the best sports team. We even see that going on now with political parties. 
And it's, we boast about what party we belong to. And, and if you don't belong to my party, then you are absolutely wrong. And you need to, to change and think about what you are doing or what you believe. But my friends, that is something that is not new. It, it is something that has gone on years and years and years ago. Even, even Paul had to deal with this. He, he talked about the divisions that, that the young church was facing in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 6, where he wrote, For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not more mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? There are only servants through whom you came to Believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seeds, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. See, there was a lot of, of distinction, a lot of, 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 of tearing apart in Corinth. And, and people were trying to figure out which faction or, or, or what place that they wanted to serve in or, or be associated with. But the fact of the matter is, it, it doesn't matter who started it or, or who continued it, but for Paul, what mattered most is that God was the one that had, has been around it all along. Now, our scripture today, it officially spans across two different chapters in the book of 2 Corinthians, even though we only have uh, a few of the passages that are written. And we're, we're going to take uh, some screenshots of those different passages, but I want us to take a look at how easy it is for us to get, to get pitted in a, a mindset where what we believe and what we say is the only thing that matters, and we fail to take a look at the opinions of those around us. And it really all has to do with how we like to boast. <laughs> you know, the whole scripture covers chapter 11 and chapter 12, but I want to point who Paul was talking about and how we can live our lives like Paul. And in the midst of the division that we have around us now, we can continue to proclaim first and foremost that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Our first bit of scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 and 18. And Paul uses this, pic, this, this scripture to, to start to set up where he would like to go by saying, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. It, in the self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too well boast. So Paul takes this bit of scripture and he shows how you can boast and, and what it is that you are boasting about. And, and he, he takes a look at his own life. 
how they talk about how they're Hebrews. Well, Paul says, well, I'm a Hebrew. He says, well, are they Israelites? Well, I'm an Israelite too. Am I, or are they Abraham's descendants? Well, so am I. And do they say that they are servants of Christ? And then he says, I am out of my mind to talk like this. Because all it does, it, it, it builds up animosity. It builds up division. And it builds up this mindset that one way of following Christ is better than, follow, than another way of following Christ. Paul writes this because he's, he's battling what, are, what he calls the super apostles. And these super apostles are, are, are those who were trying to discredit Paul and, and get those new converts into the Christian life to, to forget about what Paul has been saying and then entice them to come and follow what they believe. And, and Paul is using these words not to, not, not to keep his own personal honor, but, but he says these things so that hopefully those who are listening are not listening to, to his words, but they are listening to the gospel, to, to the good news that he was there sent to preach. My friends, I have to be honest. A lot of the times when I'm preparing a message or I'm, I'm sitting there to think about what it is that I'm saying one of the biggest prayers that comes to my, 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 my mind, to my, my lips, is like, God, I really don't want people to, to hear what I'm saying. But I hope and I pray through, through all of the ramblings that I do, which you all know I do like to ramble a lot, that, that the message of Christ is proclaimed. And that, that more and more people can hear that message and come to experience a living life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there's one thing that we know, is that when we start to proclaim Christ, that trials will come. When we start to proclaim Christ, that, that difficulties can arise. And, and we know this because of the life of Paul and, and all those things that, that he had to deal with. We, we, if we pick up in our next, next passage from 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28, he says, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, or I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in dangers from Gentiles in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else I face daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. You know, I read those scriptures, and I, and I read what Paul writes about everything that he goes through. And the first thing that comes to my mind is that, Lord, I am so glad that my life is nothing like what Paul had to go through. But I will admit there are times where I feel like that I have gone through way more than Paul has ever gone through. When somebody doesn't like a, a certain post that I've posted on Facebook, or when I've had somebody it come face to face and disagree with something that I've said. I, I, I put myself up on the cross and oh God, why in the world are so many people just against with everything that I have to say? Then something comes to my mind. Maybe they are against what I say because what I'm saying is not proclaiming Christ and is only trying to proclaim who I am. Living a life as a follower of Jesus Christ is not easy. It's not easy because there are so many things that are the way of Christ that are not of the way of the world. But we want to, to, to mix both of those things together. We, we want to say that we follow Christ, but we want to hold on to those things that, that make us feel comfortable in the world around us. And I think that's why C.S. Lewis said it this way. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. See, sometimes we want to come to Christianity so that we are comfortable. We, we want to have that peace. We want to have that, that, that wholeness. We want to know that what we are doing is okay. But my friends, sometimes what we do is not okay. It doesn't give us life. It leads us on to a path of destruction. So what is it that we do? What is it that we, we, we should do as followers of Jesus? Well, we must surrender. And we must take moments to think about our witness and give thanks. To, to give thanks for our weakness and give thanks that God has given us those things so that we may rely on him instead of ourselves. Paul puts it this way in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 9. He says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. 
But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, when grace does not seem to be enough, we, we respond or we resist in different ways, such as overperforming in our strengths, masking our, our weaknesses. We withdraw, trying to hide from others because of our weaknesses. Or, or we boast, which is really just deflecting our weaknesses. Or we try to destroy others, which distracts from our weakness. See, Paul had many different opportunities where he could have just blown away those that were opposing him, but, but he said, you know, I give thanks because I know that God's grace is sufficient for me, for God's power is made perfect in weakness, and God's power can help us grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, forgetting about those things that give us the power, the authority, the, the, the ways of, of making ourselves built up. So others may look at us and, and, and be amazed at all that we have. But my friends, there's one thing that I know, that I have nothing except for God's love and grace in my life. Here's the good news, but yet here's the challenging news. It's not a light switch that we can flip on or off, but it is a process. And what I mean by that is that it takes us time to accept and believe. It gives us a while to, to think about taking a moment to surrender. And the ways that we do this is first by fully accepting God's promises that he has given to us. And then to draw close to God. My hope and my prayer, my friends, is that we take the opportunity to boast in all that Christ has done for us. To lay aside those worldly things that we see beckoning us to and fro. And to rest in God's power who makes us perfect in our weakness. Not so that we can boast about who we are, but so that we can proclaim a risen Christ to the world around us. Let us pray. Oh God, the song that keeps 
playing over and over in my mind this week. He said, your grace is perfect when our hope is gone. So, Lord, when we live in a world that boasts in power, when we live in a world that looks down on those who are weak, help us to not join in the refrain and boast about all that we have. But help us to lift up our hands and surrender to you and give thanks. Give thanks for the love that you have for us. Give thanks for the power of your grace, the power of the Holy Spirit that fills each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ so that we may do what is good and pleasing in your sight. So, Lord, over this next week, help us to see your grace. Help us to see your love. And help us to reach out in tangible ways so others may see Christ in us. And we pray this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus, our Lord. Amen.